0: i love about you my decade in radio by polly james and welcome back for the final time of course to the 10 things i love about you my decade in radio by polly james supported by radio today and this is the grand finale of the podcast series the getting into radio episode but before we go there i just want to say thank you (laughs) for indulging me over the last 10 weeks of this lovely little radio journey I've been on. It was a fun side project for me to get my teeth stuck into, to mark my 10 years on air, a cool excuse to hook up with my old radio buddies and reminisce and chat and laugh and learn and give you a little snapshot into what, you know, these different areas in radio are like. I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. You know, if there's one thing that I can take from this, the one thing in common that all of us radio people have is that, We really do love our industry. No matter what it chucks at us, we are obsessed with that connection that radio provides. This is the Getting Into Radio episode. If you are wanting to come into this weird and wonderful radio family, be aware of that because once you do knock on the door of radio, once your foot is in it's then pretty hard to leave because radio gets into the bloodstream. And I know that sounds super creepy, but it's so true. And, you know, thank you so much to everyone who has listened. Thank you to everyone who has featured on the podcast as my co-host or as my special guest. We've had over 20,000 downloads, which is amazing. And that's not how I measure in the success of this podcast. It's the people who I didn't know before this journey, the strangers who have reached out to me via a message you know on facebook on twitter and have said how much they've enjoyed a particular episode how much it's kickstarted a new venture for them in their radio career how much it's reignited a flame for them and how much advice they've gotten off you know our our experts that we've had on And, you know, numbers mean everything in radio, don't they? But not on this podcast. Radar is not allowed on this podcast. Um, But, you know, getting those messages and you telling me how you feel or how a certain episode has made you feel is so much better than any numbers. So thank you so much once again. And I've said thank you so many times. Um, Let's move on to the episode in question, all right? This is the Getting Into Radio episode. I really hope you enjoy this. It was recorded a couple of weeks ago with two industry experts on on how to make waves in the industry and once you're in remember you are in for life so here we go enjoy this so I brought in the heavies of the radio world this episode, two special guests who really have been uh, behind the careers and at the start of some really successful broadcasters, fresh back from the SRA conference in Norwich last week. I've got my boss with me, the Communical UK group programmer, Neil Sloan, and down the line, my agent, longtime friend, slash Agnian from North Media Talent, it's Chris North.
1: <laughs> Hello, I'm in a very damp Covent Garden at the moment.
0: Uh, we can hear the birds tweeting in the background and it sounds lovely.
1: I thought I'd bring some atmos
0: for you, yeah, it's nice it's nice ambiance. Um, Neil, how are you? Thanks ver- for coming on the podcast. I'm
2: very well, thanks. I'm looking forward to seeing what questions you have to ask me.
0: <laughs> well, the first question I've got for for both of you was uh, about the SRA con. It was last week really important for people wanting to get into radio. How was it? Was it a good one? Um I
2: you know, for me, I think it's really important to see the industry coming together at an event like that because it's all about supporting the next generation of future talent, and that's what we're all there to do. And um, it was quite far away for a lot of people (laughs) in Norwich, but we all made the trek there to do it. And um, I think upon reflection, I don't know if you agree, Chris, that, you know, there's always some good things to come out of it and there'll be a few names and a few people and a few Mm. stations that will be chased up afterwards as a result um, because we heard some quite good demos, a demo factor, which I'm sure Chris will talk about more (laughs) in a second, and and a few nice individuals. And, you know, as much as the uh, official part of the business of these conferences, the other important part is just the meeting and talking to new people and, and mm. seeing what they're like and having a chat with them. So uh, nice to to attend some of the sessions and nice to talk to people as well.
0: Because corps spend a lot of money, like they invest in the SRAs, don't they?
2: Well, we support the I Love Student Radio Awards yep. on the Thursday evening, which are the, kind of the, the individual grassroots awards for Student Radio too. These are the ones that uh, are, have now become a big staple as part of the conference. And we just try and <laughs> put as much into it as we possibly can because we want to make sure that it's a big event and, you know, we love doing it. It's the fourth year we've done it now and we'll be doing it again for the next couple of years. Why not? Because it's great to be part of it and great for us to to support the next generation of talent, like I said.
0: Absolutely. Chris, What? how, how is it for you, hun? It's always a, a big uh, mark in the calendar for you, isn't it? Yeah,
1: there's a lot of work that goes into the bit that we do, uh, or I do, um, with the team, which, which is Demo Factor. And it was the 10th Demo Factor this year, which makes me feel very old. Wow. But at the same time, it was a brilliant demo factor. Um, we met uh, and heard some really, really good talent. The, the standard was was really quite high. I know that sounds really like I'm surprised, but um, <laughs> the way that the cycle of student radio works is, you know, every three years, it's a different group. Uh, but I think the information sort of gets fed back to people. So gradually, you start to see an improvement in demos, and then mm. maybe they'll start to dip away again, and they start building up again. So uh, the, the one in Norwich I think was, a, was an example of that journey and it was actually really, really good really happy and I think all five judges really were quite impressed and I know that Radio 1 um, have, have got a few people that they're going to be piloting from it um, Fantastic and, and Exactly and I think the Bower of the Same with uh, Paul uh, at Absolute um, and I know that Neil was in the audience for, uh, as part of Communicore, and obviously he heard some demos as well. And that's the best part about Demo Factory is the fact that there are industry people um, who are sitting in that room observing and, ca- and catching talent for their own brands or their own stations. And as, a, as Demo Factory, we're able to share that information with those people and hope that other people get opportunity, even if. Uh, even if those five judges couldn't help them in that particular situation. I came away more inspired. I think mm. it's, it's good to know that people really want to work in this industry on and off air. And we've got to meet some of those people. And that's not just the talent, as in radio presenters. It was people who are inspired to want to be a producer or be in marketing or in station sound. And you get to meet that that breadth of talent. So it was great.
0: Chris, uh, now I've joked before that you are like the Pied Piper of uh, the the SRAs. And I would say that in the radio (gasps) industry, (laughs) I think the radio industry looked to you as a bit of a, a front man for showcasing new talent. Who is your biggest or like your most fondest success story? Like someone that you had on your books at the very beginning, you know, you gave them a shot, signed them up, and now you've just watched them flourish.
1: Um, I mean, there's been lots of them, if I'm perfectly honest. And I, I, I hate naming names because there'll be people listening to this podcast and say, what about me, am <laughs> um, I Uh But so somebody who's not on my roster now, I will say, Greg James was, was discovered from student radio. Yeah. Uh, and Radio 1 spotted him through the, his award you know he he was true to form, he came from student radio radio one spotted a person who was um was his student radio himself you know he wasn't polished radio presenter um but he was natural and he was personable and he was himself and that's that's who he still is to this day. you know he is still that greg james uh in essence, and I think you know he's one of those people that he's a true radio professional radio um he's so passionate about the radio industry, which is what we need in radio sounds bonkers, but we do um I'm really proud of his journey, and I'm proud of what he's done and what he's been able to achieve. So, yeah, I'd say Greg, and I suppose more recently, um, people like Mim Shake on uh, The Asian Network and on Extra, who also came yeah. from Student Radio and who also went through Demo Factor and who, well, I basically didn't even give him 30 seconds in the Demo Factor, I think.
0: No um, way! <laughs> yeah,
1: and, <laughs> um, and uh, Jordan North, who obviously uh, yeah. has just recently joined Radio 1. So there's, there's, a, there's a combination of different people, but they're, they're just three that, that have that came to me when they were at their beginning yeah. of their journey. You know, um, Ben Shepherd again, in, in capital of North Wales. I mean, the list is endless, as I've been doing this for quite some time, you can imagine. But um, I can uh, say that, you know, a lot of the presenters that I work with or have worked with are genuinely radio people at heart, you know, and, and, and that's what the talent that you can work with because they really want it and they really want to work in the radio industry and they're not just distracted by
0: and that's- TV for- And that's why they stand out, because they they want to be in the radio industry, and they've got that fire in their belly, and they're passionate just for radio, not TV. They've just got a beeline just to be on air.
1: Oh, TV always comes along at some point in the journey. Um, But, you know, this industry is based on communicators, and you need people who understand it, understand the storytelling, and stand up connecting with the audience, understand the skills of radio. And that's a very different thing to being a TV presenter on the radio, because that's the wrong way around, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But so then you get Greg onto your books, and then that's when you make the connection with Neil because Neil is then, Greg James is producer on Early Breakfast on Radio One, if I got that right?
2: Not quite. Okay, no. okay. <laughs> um, as part, so when you won an SRA award then, um, I'm not sure if it's still the case, uh, but you, best male and best female, got to come and do a, a, a one-off show at Radio 1. Oh, uh, yeah, I um, remember that. Normally around Easter, around the bank holidays. It's like um, in the middle of
0: the night on the weekend, isn't it?
2: Yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it's a fantastic opportunity. Amazing opportunity. opportunity. Um, and uh, what had happened up, probably up to that point was there were a few people who've, who've done the shows on there. Who probably and I I was the Radio One representative for student radio, so I was a kind of okay. conduit between Radio One and the SRA, and um, so I was dealing with all these people that came in to do shows, and quite a few of them came in and they basically just sort of did their student radio show on Radio One and just saw it as a laugh. Yeah. Um, and Greg was probably the first one that saw that this was a great opportunity to maybe get a proper job. <laughs> yeah. Um And he came in and he. Uh, put some production into it, which sounds very obvious, but he had he'd got some clips that he wanted loaded onto the player system, and and you could just see that he knew that this was a chance to do something a bit different and to and to, and to stick his head, you know up above where other people may have been um so he did that show and the feedback from that was good um and it was at that point in time then he was in conversation with other commercial radio stations and he uh, was doing some shows on galaxy yeah. um and it got to a point with greg where it was like what's he going to do next um enter Chris North agent, um, <laughs> to to help steer steer the ship and to advise what happens uh, when you're met with conversations like that, when you're straight out of university. And to be honest, you've no idea what to do next. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of how and What's the happens. best move, isn't it? I well, mean, it, it was, cool. uh, obviously
1: Neil and I had worked with each other a long time before that, but you know, it, it's, it's that feeling of um, trepidation of, you know, oh my gosh, Radio 1 want me to come in and... Sometimes you do need more than just the people in the building at Radio One to to hold your hand. Uh, and I'm, mm. I remember getting that phone call. But he hadn't he hadn't signed to Radio One at this point. He just he was on his way to his graduation ball, and he'd done the early breakfast show the, the Friday morning, and <laughs> You're he was driving in his car. And he got to the got to campus, and as he got to campus, um, I got a phone call from one of the editors, uh, and they said. Um, Sarah Cox isn't very well. Greg couldn't do Sarah Cox's programme on Saturday, could he? And so I had to phone Greg as, as he was arriving at his graduation ball and say, I think you have to come back from <laughs> Norwich uh, and do the Sarah Cox programme. And I think that was the turning point, really.
0: Wow. And Neil, as his producer, early on, did, could you tell like he was going to go up the ranks? Was there it, something special about him? Well,
2: his his first, very first show that he did, yeah. uh, that early morning one, uh, his best meal winners one, it was good. Yeah. It was better than the others, but it wasn't brilliant. <laughs> and he knows that. He, he's listened back to it. Yeah. Um, but, like I say, he did have that 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 spark that there was something there. That you're going to go, well, we think we can probably work with him here. Mm-hmm. That some of the others, well, most of the others didn't really have. Now, okay. some of the other guys who've come in and done uh, some of that SRA work, or those shows have gone on to be... Uh, writers and and producers and and all sorts of have great careers in the radio industry so it was still an invaluable way in but in terms of being the person probably from that three or four years who was the person that I would have put money on going somewhere would have been him
0: can you both, as like seasoned pros, you both worked in the industry for such a long time now and you've both helped develop talent. Can you tell, and you've probably met so many people at the SRA Com, for example, and you do meet loads of people wanting to get into radio. Can you tell straight away whether they're going to cut through or not? Just, just from a conversation. Um,
1: um, you can tell that if they're going to get somewhere, absolutely. Um, and I can tell once I've heard some stuff, like yeah. quickly, that 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 they might be able to just do this for for a living it's but it's really difficult to find line because what you need to think about is where would they be where would they present is, yeah. you know what do they sound like is there more work to be done or you know are they going to be a presenter that can just naturally fit on x y and z brand or whatever but you know instinctively because i've heard so many demos and met so many different people i can sort of tell there is an instinct there that goes i can work with this person i'm not you know, as you, as you can imagine, not always 100 percent correct, but um, at least I try and give people the op- option and the um, you know the mentoring to see if we can we can work out what sure. that thing is, what that X factor is, or whatever mm. uh, that spark that that um, Neil just talked about. Um, and and that goes the same for people who I think you you could work in this industry. You you've got some skills here. It might not be on air, but you have got some skills, and that's usually when they're quite normal and and they have a conversation <laughs> yeah. with you um, and they. They, and I always say this, it's not networking, it's communication, it's having a chat, and you can learn a lot from somebody quite quickly. So I can, you know, meet, meet people, um, have a conversation with them, have a chat, have a coffee, whatever, and um, and usually can tell if they're, if they're a value to the industry. And I get phone calls or emails from people saying, do you know, if somebody might be able to do this, this and this for us, you know, imaging or outdoor events or whatever, um, or production, APing or whatever. And, and if I've met them, and, and that's why I do try and have these coffees, is I'm able to with confidence, put their names forward, I suppose. Yeah.
0: What about you, need Do you think, you know, you can tell straight away?
2: I think the the beauty and the difficulty of this industry <laughs> is that it's very subjective. So sometimes you can get the inkling, as Chris has said, but sometimes you can be wrong. And so I think the face-to-face conversation is very important. So Getting an email with a demo and someone going, hi, have a listen to this, it's fine to have a listen to, but... You do need to get the sense of that personality and, mm. and uh, you know, what their inner well-being is about yeah. before you can actually get a proper measure of what someone's like and, and their personality and wh- where they could go next. Because I've met you know people previously, as Chris has just said, who you meet them and go, you might not be right to be a presenter, but you could be a brilliant producer and vice versa. So there, there are options and places for people to go.
0: And what about, um, do you need to have that natural talent or can you just train anyone to be a radio DJ?
2: I mean, I would say natural talent is one thing, but the kind of desire and, and the want to do it is another. You know, you, you can train and coach people in the basics and technical stuff, but the sort of natural inbuilt communicator uh, needs to be there to really help the whole package along i mean a good example is um is callie davis here in south wales on capital who co-presents drive here now but was working on our marketing team mm. and we were on the hunt for new presenters about two years ago and i knew that she used to be in a band with her sister uh she had a minor yeah. hit yes um, <laughs> uh, don't like
0: the vibe in the vip that one. Ooh, do you remember that, Chris?
2: Yeah, I do actually. Do you? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um but so so she had the kind of the mindset and the personality and the confidence to progress because you know she was able to go on on mm. stage and in, in front of an audience and sing her new songs and stuff. So she had the, the inbuilt kind of confidence and communication skills, but hadn't done radio before. So we trained her in the basics how to how to drive the desk. Um, had yeah. to do all the technical stuff here. But she had the kind of desire to succeed because she put in hours and hours and hours of time just coming into the studio and just practising on her own, just making herself sound better, um, you know, making herself sound better technically. But she also spent hours listening to the radio and listening to Capsule in particular, because that's where she wanted to be, to hear how yeah. the presenters on there did it so she could do it as well as them. So she had the, a, a bit of both. And I think that's what you need, Chris. Would you agree?
1: I agree. I think it's... Um... I think there's an, an inherent talent that you have—the ability to be comfortable in your own skin, to be the presenter that you're supposed to be, whichever brand that that may be on—and um, not fake it. So that's that's an inherent part of you, and you have to have that element of confidence, if you want to call it that. Although you know, presenters have presenter paranoia—that's usually a <laughs> part and parcel of the whole thing. Um, But, yeah, I agree with Neil. You can coach presenters. Um, you, You know, you talked about student radio earlier. You know, student radio presenters evolve over time you know and um but that's because (laughs) excuse me they're on air a lot and i think air miles is really important um you know if you have a a a nugget of of talent in there um, and you'll keep going at it and you keep listening to the radio and you keep um wanting to be better uh, and listen back to yourself and take comments and and criticisms then then obviously you're going to get better it's like anything in life but um you know you will you ultimately have to have the the talent the bare talent to be able to sit in a room and talk to yourself um you know and, and the want to do that and the want to communicate to people
0: absolutely like you were saying that Callie had that a little bit of confidence she said she could perform to a, a room of people singing a song type thing you know I don't know where I got it from though because there's no musical talent in my family or anything like well, that you're no not, one got you're not
2: backwards day. and coming forward are you <laughs> Mm. Very true,
0: very true. Look, let's get to the nitty gritty because I'm sure there's going to be people listening now and I know lots of people from the SRA in particular have uh, come forward with questions. And yeah, no, do you know what? And, And the main one was, they just want to know what to put in a demo and they just want to know what they should and shouldn't do and the pet hates. I mean, for someone trying to get in, are there anything, I mean, do you have like a checklist, for example, Neil, when someone sends you a demo? Is there anything that you absolutely just think, as soon as you hear it, you're like, no, no way.
2: I know Chris does have only because so we we mentioned Demo Factor earlier, but I don't think we really explained what it is. So Chris, would you like to explain <laughs> what it is to people who don't yeah, so, aren't aware yeah, of it?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Demo factor is um in essence it's a training session about how to make a demo um, but instead of having a boring session with three four people sitting on stools, um and doing it in in the daytime we put on a bit of a show <laughs> so we've taken elements of some reality tv programs that you might know of uh, and what the concept is is that you send in your demo and uh, it's picked out at random at the student radio conference in front of the entire delegation and the industry who are in the room. Uh, once uh, it plays, you have, there's a minute to uh, limit and then the judges get a, the minute to buzz it if they've had, heard enough or have something to say or they don't like it. Once you've got the five buzzers off, uh, the room goes red and then they, uh, they judges, give their thoughts and comments. Now, that is not necessarily that it's bad. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's not savage, it's, it's real. And the reason mm. why we do it in that, that style is because... I realised years ago that students don't listen to each other, and they certainly don't listen to their peers in the sense of they don't know what, what the level is out there, apart from their own student radio station. So first of all, you get to hear your peers and you get to hear what the standard is across the UK. You also get to hear what their perceptions of demos are. And very, very early on in that um, two-hour show, um, I think the students start to realise what is the right and wrong thing to put in a demo. And so instead of listening to every single person individually throughout the UK, we try and do it in a snapshot. So... It's it's also about a lesson in in the dos and don'ts, but it's it has an element of um, of panto in it as well.
0: But is there though anything fundamentally that should not make the cut in a demo?
1: Um, there's loads of things that you should not put in. Um, I mean, the, the the rules are, you know, it's impact. So the first thirty to thirty seconds to a minute is is where we are. Um, what we're looking for, uh, we want, like everything, you know, it's that first impression, like it is when you're listening to the radio, if you don't like that presenter in the first 30 seconds of what they're talking about you tend to switch them off, so we, we try and have the best link, the best thing you've ever done in that first 30 seconds to make that impression, and and again on a practical level for, for people like Neil and people like me um, and producers, you know, if you're listening to demos and, and all of a sudden there is an email or there is a phone call or whatever and you're listening to that demo, you stop it because you're, you do something else, now if it hasn't made that impact in that first 30 seconds, you might forget to go back to it or if it's not named correctly you'll lose it in your itunes or whatever um Mm. so it's that important 30 seconds is is what i'd say and my pet hate as neil knows is don't start it with a name check and a jingle because you're wasting time okay some people say it's good because you you're telling us who you are and that's fine in real radio terms but i think you just need to hit us with your first link not a jingle
2: yeah, uh, I would agree. And the other thing I would say on the on the timing front was uh, it was um, last year at, at the uh, student radio conference where um, one of the students came up to me and were they'd been buzzed out. Uh, and they said they were absolutely gutted because it was a really good bit three minutes in. Uh, and oh, I was great. like, well, well <laughs> then we, we didn't get that far. So uh, that was the lesson learned there. And the other thing I, I think that is is crucial if you're sending it, well, two, two extra things, actually. If you're sending a demo to a radio station, firstly, make it sound like it's the station you want to be on. So don't send... Um, a demo to someone at Absolute that sounds like they want to be on Capital. Don't send a demo to someone at Radio 1 that sounds like they want to be on Smooth. You know, you have to tailor what you're doing to the station you want to be on because they're not just going to imagine that that's what you sound like on this station. You want to make it as easy as possible to the person listening to it Mm -hmm. that they could picture you and hear you on their radio station that will be one. And the second one would be if you are doing a demo with um, to, to, to showcase your talents, Yeah. then showcase your talents. Don't have your producer talking. Don't have your mate talking. Don't have a, an interview with a celebrity guest because everyone's done them. Don't do things that everyone else does. It's about what you can do on your own in a radio studio. For me, one of the dying arts in, in uh, radio is the ability to host a radio show on your own with no one else, because it's hard. Yeah. It's much harder than anyone thinks. Um, and so as soon as you start drawing in the producer to talk to, or the cleaner, or whoever happens to be here, then you're just extending the circle of who you're talking to and removing the ability for the audience to draw attention to you. You should be able to captivate them on your own. So if you're sending a demo in, I want to hear you and not you and your mates.
0: Very little production, very little interview skills, because that can come a little bit further down the line when you get asked to come into the radio station. It just needs to be you and your personality straight away. And of course, that then uh, sets the first impression.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's... um... Things like you don't need to tell us the time, you don't need to start the demo with it's it's five past one, uh, I've got loads on the show today and it's this you know, we're coming up, we've got blah de blah and blah blah. That is not your best content, that's not your best link, <clears throat> excuse me. And if, if again that's wasting time, we don't care what time it is in the demo. Um and we don't care what's what's in the menu. So it's it's been constructive and, and get people to listen to it. Maybe not not necessarily you know your, your mum and dad who will say it's brilliant, but get some people to listen to it and give you thoughts on it. If you do finally get to send a demo to somebody and and you ask them for advice, don't ask them for a job because very rarely is somebody going to say that's brilliant, here's a job. Um, ask them for advice yeah. or even a coffee and once they've sent you some thoughts on your demo back they say, you know, the, I did listen to two minutes of it and actually there is a the bit later on that's a funnier or it's better or it's more powerful or whatever. Um, I think that should be the first thing that's on the demo then you know do that make that change put it at the beginning and then in a few weeks time send it back to that person and say i've done what you've told me to do and what do you think of it now and and therefore creating a a, a conversation and a relationship with that person um you know and as as neil said earlier radio is subjective so what neil might like um, i might not like or paul sylvester might might think is brilliant and Tony Morey upstairs in Magic doesn't. So it's, yeah. you know, but, but those people are asking you for, to change things for their specific need.
0: I love to get in feedback and that's what I would just send out to PCs. I'd send out my demo and I'd just say, is there any feedback that you can give me, anything at all? I'm not looking for a job just yet. I just want your advice and I'd send them out. I think my first demo was like 15 minutes long with the same link on there over and over again until I quite nailed it. <laughs> I don't know who And now, I, and now yeah.
2: Um, I was going to say, you know, I think for, uh, for me, <laughs> The, the other big thing that you will hear you know we asked earlier about what's the thing that you hear in when, you, when you're talking to people or you, you hear a demo that you go yep that's it And um, the hardest thing for any presenter to do is to find their voice now what I mean by that is that their comfortable presenting voice because there are probably more demos that, that have this little uh, bit of work on them that I hear in more than anything else which is they're trying to sound like they're on the radio and they're trying to sound like someone else they've heard or they're trying to sound like, um, you know, like Scott Mills or, yeah. or Steve Wright or Roman Kemp or whoever it is. And you have to be comfortable in your own skin and sound like you. Don't try and sound like someone else and don't try and sound like you're in the radio. You know, the uh, it, it's hard because that's what you think you have to do when you start is, I'm on the radio, I need to talk like this, yeah, I'm on the radio. Yeah, yeah. But you just need to be a slightly more exaggerated version of yourself and uh, in, my, in my point of view. And, and actually... That's the hard bit. Once you've cracked that, the other stuff will come because once you can comfortably go into the studio and know that you can do the the major bit of the job, which is the talking in between records as far as a presenter is concerned, uh, confidently, then you will absolutely nail it. But that's the hardest bit. And sometimes it can take months. Sometimes it can take years. But once you get it, it's like riding a bicycle. Once you can do it, yeah. you've got it.
0: Um, the other question which came in from um, the students at Express Radio was... So Paul tell us tell us the secret to the radio game. And I'm like well I I don't know. I just I've just done my thing. I've been myself. And then it, it got me thinking is is there a game that you need to play to be successful in the radio world?
1: Is there a radio game? I don't think there is. Um I think it's called the industry. Um it's not a game. I think you no, there are obvious things in any industry that you just have to sort of take on board. You know, there is an element of having to communicate and, and meet people and, 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 and I hate the word network, mm. um, make contacts. But there's no game involved. Um, I mean, there may be games across boardrooms across the country, but that's <laughs> probably where it sort of stops, really. Um, I would say it's about being um, open-eyed to it. It's about learning who owns what. Uh, knowing the sort of vague politics that that is by reading things like in Radio Today or whatever, knowing what's going on uh, so you don't make any faux pas when you have a conversation with somebody Um, and so that's just having a bit of knowledge and a bit of passion and a bit of understanding and there's also a part thing I always say and I was going to say it earlier which is um, if you want to be a presenter you have to be very patient and if you haven't got patience then you know things takes a long long time in radio to change and then when they do change they change very quickly um, and dramatically usually but you have to be patient for that um, and wait for that opportunity and that enjoying that time of patience that's what you're we'll having those coffees and those chats and getting that demo ready and and getting as many airmails as possible. Um, if, if you're an SRA person from from any third uh, station in your third year now, utilise this time right now between now and the end of this academic year because the amount of third years who come up to us all and say, oh gosh, I've left the student radio station now. I don't know where I'm going to do my demo. I've, I should have done this and I should have done that. It's a bit late when the summer holidays have come and you've got no student station to go to. So maximise your time, I would say. And if you're a first year, really maximise your time. And if you're, if you're first and second year, you should be knocking on doors radio stations commercial or BBC now and not wait until the third year when you panic about it
2: I mean Chris and Polly if I could have written a book which was titled how to get a job in radio I would have done and I'd be a millionaire because it's (laughs) it's not that simple there is no one path it's a complicated network of industry people of of contacts of radio stations that are ever changing and ever popping up and ever expanding on different genres so You know, the radio world keeps moving. You've got to move with it. And there is no simple way of how to get a job. How to get a job now is very different to how it was a year ago, to how it was five years ago. And it'll be different next year. People will change, systems will change, technology will change, everything keeps changing. There's a lot of movable parts. So there is no one answer to the question. And there's no game. It's, well, it's just one enormous puzzle.
0: Oh, I like that one. (laughs) So my next question is this, right? So many people when I... And actually radio professionals who I've been talking to now during this whole podcast um, series... I ask, you know, what would you say to young people getting into radio now or new people getting into radio? And they're like, oh, you've got to make sure you're ready. It's going to chew you up and spit you out. And it's so cutthroat, that type of thing. It's usually a bit of a negative response, which is why I want to kind of turn this around in the getting into radio episode. Why is radio great to get into and why is it still a, a great industry. It's
2: the best job in the world, Polly. It is.
0: <laughs> it is. So
2: then you tell them that whether they're being well, I on do. It. Do
0: you know what I do? And I've and you know we recorded the um the women in radio podcast yesterday, and but it was with Vicky Blythe and it was with Stephanie Hurst, and they were like, oh, you have you ever experienced? You know, like how has your experience been over the last ten years and things like that? And and I've said I've had a I've had a really positive ride, and I don't know why anyone would ever mm. be fearful in getting into radio, and I don't see it as. Decl- on a decline, you know. I've I have heard that you know radio's been pronounced dead on so many occasions. But I just I feel very very lucky, and I feel that the, the the future is bright.
2: There are now more ways to listen to the radio than ever before. Yeah. Right. So more people are listening to the radio in various different ways, and also when it comes to you know people being down on on a career in the industry I guess that will come from perhaps people not succeeding or not getting to where they want to be as we've discussed earlier if you if you stick at it if you give if you are patient as Chris said and if you've got the ability and they're willing to learn then you'll crack it and when you do crack it like I say you know coming to work to produce or present a radio show if you're on the station that you love and you're playing the music you like and working with the people that you want to work with you won't even feel like it's work. You know, you're coming to work and you're having a laugh and delivering what your station is asking of you. And that's why you say it's the best job in the world, because what's better than that?
0: Absolutely. Do a job you love and you'll never work again in your life. That's what I like to say. What about you, Chris? Why is radio great to get into?
1: Well, let's face it. We're not going down the mines, are we? I mean, um, (laughs) I think there's it's the most exciting industry it's ever evolving it's unlike the others in media where we can make some changes and we can make them today and they will be affected tomorrow or even this afternoon you know it's that quick if it wants to be and it's that reactive and there are so many jobs within it you know and as Neil said so many more platforms and so many ways of listening now um that's really exciting and i think that you know the um, media but also technology has has given us more scope for more people to do other things and people to be more versatile Um, and I think from being at things like the student radio conference or the radio festival whatever you know you go to these things and and I looked around that room in Norwich and you know 350 people wanting to be in Norwich to learn about the media industry and the radio industry and and its various forms you know in all genres in all things of aspects of it from music through marketing through everything and um, what an incredible thing that still, still right now in that 10 years probably that you've been doing radio mm-hmm. you know it's died a se- it's died a death several times apparently and we still we still seem to be talking about it um, yeah. and there's still 350 people who want to be doing something in the radio industry just sitting in in a conference in Norwich so you can't say if this is over because it clearly isn't and I think once you get to do it you get to do so many exciting things and things that people will be like your your friends who were you know a building surveyor oh, I wish I could do something like that I mean I've had so many bonkers funny experiences and you look back and think god I'm being paid to do this yeah this is crackers you know and um as as you say you know if you're doing something you really love then then what's the problem
2: and the other thing Chris you talk about technology is you know with with DAB, there are radio stations popping up all the time. There are, are small scale DAB trials around the country. And so there are more opportunities with the technology available to have a go, develop the skills, hone your craft be better and get a job that you want
1: there's there's uh, something that that people don't realize when they're starting out which is there's an independent radio sector that is thriving in the uk and produces so much more content than you probably even think of across commercial bbc and other platforms and i think um if you're starting out in radio and as a presenter slash producer or certainly as a producer and researcher then seek out you know the independent radio section a sector and uh, the radio independent sector and, and it's on rig uh, the website for their uh, their organization and you could be working on a radio four program a radio one program a, you know a, an absolute radio program but but not being part of those particular radio stations because you're doing it via the independent production companies and i think that that whilst that's thriving um let's not forget that that part of the industry exists
0: absolutely and i i think you might have both just uh... Um, answered the the next question that I was going to ask, which also came in from from a member of the SRA. None of us agree that radio is on the decline, but it is consolidating slightly. And I think there's a lot of people out there who are maybe a little bit worried, who have maybe just starting in doing a radio course now in uni in their the first years, and they're worried that in the next couple of years, are there going to be any jobs left in commercial radio outside of London?
1: Of course, the bill, the way that we listen to radio is obviously changing, but the stuff we want to hear isn't. So, you know, people still need to know what's going on in various parts of the country in terms of where they live, and uh, as, as though, uh, you know, obviously networked radio programmes uh, have their place and, and are brilliant, um, people still need to know what's happening in their local pack and therefore we will always have radio stations across the country in different it might be in a different form might be with different names but we will still have those radio stations and what people to to be able to deliver that content need people who actually know those areas um you know if you look at BBC local radio it's going through it's 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 rebrand or it's whatever you want to call it refocus there's always going to be places that need people to make content that are not just based in London or media city
2: And something we haven't even spoken about yet are journalists, you know, and there are newsrooms around the country, BBC and commercial radio, and that's not going to change. You know, with the proposals that are on the table, requirements for news provision will be extended to DAB services, which they currently aren't. So if anything, there will probably be an opening of more journalistic requirements needed around the country in order to fulfil those requirements. So there is a massive opportunity yeah. in that aspect of, of the radio world that we haven't really touched say, upon.
0: Our 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 news desk is always bustling, isn't it? We, we talk a lot about student radio, but there's... I mean, if you look at Capital, South Wales, for example, how many of our programming team got into it via student radio? Not, I mean, none? None. None. So what are the other avenues to getting into radio? For me, it was community radio. Matt was hospital radio. Um, Callie obviously uh, came in as, uh, you know, on the marketing team. Are there any other avenues?
2: I know Matt is a big champion of of hospital radio. And there's also stations, you know, where we are in, in Cardiff, uh, community stations like Radio Cardiff, that you can go and learn your trade out there. And there's also, in the, the technology is available now for you to be able to, you know, construct a demo in your bedroom that will sound <laughs> equally as good as if you were in a, a million pound studio complex. You know, you can you can get the equipment to do the what you need to do without being attached to a radio station. And that's a really exciting time for someone to be able to do that.
0: But you know if you you know if you got a demo though and and it wasn't of high quality and it did sound as if it was recorded in a bedroom, would you like how would you feel about that?
2: If the person was good enough, you'd yeah. want to talk to them, you want to meet them and you wanna get them into a good studio and get hear how they sounded like with the correct imaging and stuff like that. It comes back down to that the, the what are you getting, what are they saying? Because what you don't mm. want is a really high-produced quality uh, demo <laughs> with brilliant jingles and beds and production, and actually the presenters talking nonsense. Because that goes nowhere.
0: Yeah, the and de- the,
2: the, you know, someone sending you a demo for a job is about them. It's not about how it sounds; it's about how they sound.
0: I think, and I think a lot. I don't know. I, I can. I, I feel that a lot of student radio people or someone sending in a demo would feel that they they couldn't send something which is just on an iPhone, for example.
2: I think I've had ones that I I've have been recorded on phones, and I've given the chap some feedback. And over about three months, he listened, as Chris said, and yeah. worked on it and got progressively better. He was still sending it on an iPhone, but I could <laughs> hear how it was sounding better and better. Yeah. And eventually, he'll get to a point where he would be good enough to come in and yeah, d- and, and do a demo and sound and you know use the equipment properly. But it's not impossible at all.
1: I think it's there's two things if you want to be a radio presenter and. Uh, you have other skills. In the olden days, um, before your tenure started, we would have said things like, um, "Don't tell people that you want to be a presenter if you are a producer." Or don't tell you know, don't tell them that because it puts them off. Um, it, that's a load of rubbish now. I think you know if you're a producer and you're really talented at it, or you're a good um, visualization person, or you're very good at whatever, um, or if you're um, uh, in marketing or whatever, but you feel that you's, there's a desire there to do presenting and tell the person to be bold enough to say it. And if the person's your boss and they think, well, okay, someone doesn't turn up and they're looking around the room going, can anyone do this? Um, if they don't know you can do it, then they'll never be able to help you. And I think people have to be honest about their skill sets. Um, but getting into radio is about being um, flexible in your, in the sense of your, of your core skills. And if you know if you did student radio and you did, oh, I was part of the marketing, or I did the varsity. I covered that um like oh did you have you got any stuff about you doing the sports stuff yeah i have actually oh well, come along because we're going to do the ob next week from the you know um rugby ground or whatever but if you don't tell these people how the hell are they supposed to know that you've got those skills and you might be the the star that they've been looking for that was just in the office and classic. All, always had them there
0: i was gonna say classic example for us most recently is jess who, who is our marketer manager um set out to to want to be a presenter and has just done an amazing job on her first show, right? And I think she was a bit nervous to say she wanted to be a presenter just like you were saying Chris you know well, she was like oh I don't really want to like tell anyone or tell Neil or do you know what I mean
2: I think she was and she's glad she did yeah and also as you touched upon there Chris there's also the the other side I mean we're going to diversify now we're talking about journalists Mm -hmm. we're talking about presenters but there are technical people required for OBs and things as well tech
0: ops we need
2: (laughs) you know there are people who will be have done those varsity shows who will be sat back in the studio while else everyone else is out having fun but they're playing the record records and making things keep going on air and every radio station at some point in time will need those people so other great opportunities to get into the industry and you know prove your worth because we'd be nothing without engineers <laughs> very true <laughs> we'd be nothing we could speak to no one without an engineer it's just another route in into the into the complex web
0: chris have you ever been tempted to move into the running of radio before as opposed to i feel that you're not on the outside but you know you're not you work for everyone, you know? <laughs> yes, I have.
1: Um, yeah, several times I've thought about that. Um, I miss it. I miss the, the buzz of being in a radio environment, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, a couple of years ago, I got the opportunity to do a really bonkers project called Challenge Radio for the Radio Festival, which I'm not sure if the Radio Academy were happy with, but um, it went very well. Um, but it was the first time since I'd done Demon FM uh, in student radio that I was able to be part of a, a real live radio station and schedule it and be part of a team and uh, produce programs. It was fantastic and I loved it and I'd forgotten the buzz of doing it really. But, you know, as a as a lonely old talent manager to finally find myself with all this talent presenting and sticking them all together and making it all work for 12 hours mm. was just an incredible experience and, um, <laughs> you know, and... It was just it, I I do miss that, and I love I love you can't not get bored of walking into a studio and and seeing what it all happens. I the other week I got to present on my student radio sta- old student radio station because it was their alumni training day, and I must admit, Paul, I've never been so nervous in all really? my life. Really,
0: but oh it's good that God. you do that because you're representing you know these radio DJs, and you you know you take them from the very beginning as well.
2: It's funny you should say that, Chris, because we've got a clip of it to play you <laughs> oh, right now. Haven't
1: no no, we haven't, nope,
0: no, haven't. alright here we go no no we haven't but no it's Complete great no. it's great that you do that because you can experience what you know these the, the people that you're taking on experience
1: I think so I, um, I um, you, you mentioned Vicky Blight earlier I texted her after the programme and said I don't know how you do this <laughs> um it's I've it, it, I was physically shaking until after the first track had played, you know, and I was I was like, oh, okay, I feel better, I feel better now. I've said my first link, and I'll be okay. I was only on for an hour, and I was very clear to them to not tweet that I was going to be on because. <laughs> I knew that if I had if anybody did know that I was on, it would be the end of my actual radio career as an agent because I would never be able to sit in a room and slag off a demo at Demo Factor ever again. But I did it did remind me of the skill set that you do need to have and um and I have an, a renewed respect for what you have to do day in, day out presenting. And I think some people in the industry should go back to the floor and do it themselves because it will remind them how, how difficult it may be uh, to be to be behind the microphone.
0: Well, um, on that note, Neil, I'm going to seg up a top of our, and you're going to uh, give us a little menu of what's coming up on Capital next, just so you can have a newfound respect of what we do every day. <laughs> I think we're running out
2: of time, Polly.
0: <laughs> no, do you know what? We really are. And um, it's been a pleasure having you on. But look, one more question. The, the future of radio. In a nutshell, no. for, for you for you both. And I know that's a super hard question, but I just think it's so important and poignant at this moment in time, especially with the, the student radio people listening and hospital radio people listening, community radio, big up community radio people. Um, what would you say?
1: I think the future of radio is going to be fine. Um, I think there's a lot of scaremongering. Uh, it will, it might look or whatever, sound slightly different in terms of how we how we consume it, um, or which platforms we consume it on. But ultimately, there's something inherently powerful about radio, which means that they can put on their iTunes and they can put on their Spotify and they can do all those things. But ultimately, they want one person to be talking to them. Entertaining them, inspiring them, um, giving them information, um, even traffic and travel, the weather, uh, but they need someone to be telling them, telling them that, and it's not just their app. So I think, yes, we'll consume it differently. It will look slightly differently, um, but the talent is all out there and they're passionate about still making this and whether that's on a podcast or whether that's a radio station that you build yourself or whether that's you know consuming it via digital whatever it may be um i'm as a strong advocate of this industry certainly in the uk i think we we would be naive to think that uh it will be dead uh, i think it will be more powerful and um i look forward to Hearing ten years from now, your twentieth anniversary uh, podcast about, um, <laughs> and you can play this clip back and say, "I know, oh, were, right?" I mean, right. like, okay. Chris, you
0: told me it was going to be safe, and now I'm not working anywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I can't predict everything,
2: Polly.
0: I know, um, and and just on with you, Neil, your your note on the future of radio.
2: <sighs> big question, mm. but it it's hard to sum up, but. If you don't keep up and keep reinventing and evolving, then you'll get left behind. The most important thing that radio and the radio industry can do is to listen to the demands of the audience because they're the people that matter most. It's the audience. The reason we do what we do is for the audience. So they must be first and we have to react accordingly.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I feel very privileged to have you guys both on this Getting Into Radio podcast. And I know that there's going to be a lot of uh, people out there who have... Listen to this, and have finished listening to this, feeling very inspired, and hopefully have got fire in their belly to go forth and pest you with lots of emails, Neil. <laughs> Woo um, Chris, thank you very much for your time, Hen. I'll catch up with you soon. Thank you for uh, for joining me on this podcast, Neil. Thank you very much. No and uh, yeah, Perfect. we finally did it, and there was no drop off. Woo! No. And there we go. Ten episodes completed. Podcast completed. I've done it. Thank you so much for the wonderful guests that we had on throughout the last 10 episodes thank you for the 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 grand finale episode getting into radio with Neil and Chris for some sound advice remember as always you know I say if you've got any other questions if you are seeking more advice then get in touch with myself hopefully I'll be able to help you but obviously you know we've had some great experts on the podcast series as a whole and get in touch with them they're all on Twitter all on Instagram I'm sure you can fish out their emails from the world wide web somewhere um but thank you once again Wow. Um, Thank you to Radio Today. Thank you to Omni Studio, my podcasting host. Thank you to Steve Martin. Thank you to Richard Boffin for all their advice on doing the sound. Thank you to WeTransfer. I've absolutely rinsed you over the last 10 weeks. I don't want to see Adobe Audition for the next couple of days, that's for sure. And uh, (laughs) thank you to Neil Sloan, actually, who is my boss, who has sometimes had to listen to the podcast before I put them out just to make sure they are absolutely compliant and I don't get myself into any trouble. And, uh, well, here I am still sitting in a studio, so hopefully they haven't been that bad. But thank you very much to everyone who supported me on this journey. I'm about to get super emotional, so I shall love you and leave you now. And uh, <laughs> here's to the next 10 years. Cheers. Yaki da! 10 Things I Love About You My Decade in Radio by Polly James. Supported by Radio Today.